Welcome back to HodgePodge. I'm your host, Allison Klackowitz. Today, my guest is Danica Thomas, a former military spouse who turned caregiver to her late husband, Alan Thomas, who was a highly decorated infantryman in the Army's 82nd Airborne Division, stationed out of Fort Bragg, North Carolina. In March 2010, Allen was severely wounded on a routine patrol in Afghanistan. A suicide bomber's vest exploded near Allen, taking out his entire respiratory system and causing many other injuries that would nearly kill him. In the blast, Allen also suffered his second traumatic brain injury. It was also the second time that Allen would receive a Purple Heart for injuries sustained in combat. In 2013, Allen was in a dark place. He was dealing with the after effects of multiple deployments and serious injuries. But most specifically, Allen was struggling to deal with post-traumatic stress disorder. He and Danica had spent a large amount of time dealing with a broken Department of Veterans Affairs system. Alan went into a VA clinic to receive emergent care for his suicidal ideations, only to be turned away because they lacked the space to intake him. He was lost and unsure of where to turn. In September 2013, Alan took his own life and left behind Danica and their two young daughters. Since that tragic day, Danica has dedicated her life to caring for their daughters and educating the public on the long-term effects of combat injuries and mental health issues. She knows the personal journey that many caregivers deal with on a daily basis and is always looking to help caregivers and veterans navigate the VA system that rock their family. She is the board chair of the Susan Tillis Foundation, which supports active duty junior enlisted families with newborns through the Red, White, and Bundled program, which provides these families with basic, with babies ba- born at Fort Bragg's Womack Army Medical Center, a gift bundle of basic lay items to help these families with their newborns. Danica and her daughters currently reside in Charlotte, North Carolina. She volunteers her time with the Independence Fund and the Travis Mannion Fund Foundation to speak to others possibly dealing with mental health issues while advocating for VA reform. She believes that the VA has made significant improvements in the years following Alan's death, but knows there is always room for improvement. On today's show, we will discuss Danica's journey, and I hope you will be inspired by her mission and message. Stay tuned for more. Good morning, Danica. Hi, how are you? I'm doing good. Welcome to HodgePodge. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to get to talk to you today. Yes, I am excited too. I just want to tell you again how inspired I am by you and your journey. Um, You have shown immeasurable strength and really um it's such a personal thing being a military spouse and and what you have journeyed through um to be able to to see where you are now um and so humbly where you are now you're you're (laughs) you I, i just am in awe of where you have found the strength um following the events of your husband's injuries and a lot of the traumatic things that, that occurred leading up to his death um, and to where you are now. Um, And just hoping maybe you can shed some light on, on your path and, and, and how you have gotten to, to the place you are now. 
Oh, well, thank you so much. I mean, it, it really means so much to me to hear that. Um, it's definitely been a um, rough, long journey, but I found my way through it. Um, and so I really um, just get so much out of being able to talk to other people about it and share my experiences and my hopes are that um, I can help other people get through their struggles. And, um, you know, really at the end of the day, my goal has always been um, to make somebody feel like they're okay, um, that they can, you know, go through what they're going through and at the end of the day, be okay. I want somebody to look at me and say, you know, because of you and, and your help and, and your um, advice that I am okay. So, you know, I really, I really am so grateful for the experience um, to talk to you and, and share my life. Yes. So that's part of what you're doing now through your volunteerism with the Independence Fund and the Travis Mannion Foundation. Is that correct? Yes, it is. Um, so with the Independence Fund, uh, they launched a program for suicide prevention called Operation Resiliency. And I am given the amazing opportunity to go along to these retreats that bring back heavy combat teams together for, um, you know, like four day retreats. Um, some of these guys haven't seen each other in 17 years, and they get to come back together and do peer-to-peer -peer support and really just um, unpack all of the things that they've been living with um, together. And, and are, I, uh, not to interrupt you, but no. are the, these are wounded warriors. Is this correct? They're not necessarily wounded warriors, but they are um, nominated um, companies who were like heavy hit or um, had high casualty rates, mm -hmm. KIAs, suicides at home. Mm -hmm. um, they're nominated through the Independence Fund. And um, so they bring them together and, you know, they get to really work through their um, situations all together as, as a, a unit, as a team right. um, with your brothers. And it's important. I'm, Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I'm fortunate to be able to um, speak to them. Um, I do, uh, a, I guess, uh, going home speech to them typically on the last day. And um, it really has been um, to sit with some of these guys and hear about their struggles you know, mm -hmm. the war doesn't stop when, when you come back home. Mm -mm. I think, I think we all know that. And being, you know, military spouses, we have to then deal with the war within our homes and it's, it can be ugly. Um, and so for these guys to be able to get back together and find, you know, new ways to process it, um, with great leadership and amazing um, social work, it just it it really hits the nail on the head for for what some of these guys need. Right, and it takes an entire team of of different minded, focused individuals with different expertise and and different experiences themselves personally. To well, be of course, well, of course, yeah. yes. yeah. Um, of course. So, um, that's, you know, something that I do with them. Um, I am so grateful to be a part of the Travis Mannion foundation team as one of their ambassadors. And that's a little bit more of, um, survivors and veteran civilian bonds and community service projects, character strength, leadership strengths, um, going into schools and talking about, um, I'm sorry, talking to youth about their strengths. Um, so that has been a blessing. Um, and I also am 
the board chair of the Susan Tillis Foundation. Um, we provide junior enlisted service members at Fort Bragg baby bundles. So every time a baby is born to an E6 and below, they're at Fort Bragg at Womack. Our foundation partners with the YMCA to then gift um, the new moms a little take-home gift, you know, something to lighten the load. So, yeah. And that's, that also... how we, that's how we <laughs> actually met yeah. through, um, I had donated some books, uh, Mommy's Big Red Monster Truck, my children's book, <laughs> to the Susan Tillis Foundation because I'm always interested in partnering with um, different organizations on Fort Bragg and um, and lo and behold through this connection we find out that we had a very <laughs> personal connection yes. um, our, our mutual dear friend <laughs> Miranda Crosby and yes. my neighbor and yes. so that furthered our, our bond um, and then uh hearing about you and 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 getting uh to to know you a little bit and just getting more background on your journey and and that's what brought you here so I love these serendipitous of course well I do have to tell you we have one more connection that I noticed yes we do so you did some work I believe with um Natalie Spencer yes (laughs) okay so Natalie Spencer's husband Mike Okay. Was was one of my husband's very best friends. Oh, wow. Yes. So they they served together. Yes, that's the military community, especially here out of um, Fort Bragg area, out of Fayetteville, North Carolina. We really, uh, all roads connect at some point. But yes, Natalie, they're great uh, business people. Oh, yes, they are. She is so wonderful. Their family is just um, unmatched. I, I truly adore them. Yes. So Mm -hmm. see, that's awesome. Yes. I love that. I love that. So tell me, um, what is coming up for you, um, in your, uh, volunteerism or with the Susan Tillis Foundation? What are some projects that you're working on this year? Well, we, um, have a baby, a large baby shower every May, Um, So that is coming up. It's May 19th up in Cornelius. Um, And basically what happens is we host a a shower and people bring all kinds of items to it. And then we distribute that to the YMCA so that the YMCA there at Fort Bragg can, can then put some bundles together. So we are always doing Um, more showers and everything through the foundation. But a lot of that is our ambassadors um, hosting showers within their clubhouses, HOA, like clubhouses is what I mean. Mm -hmm. Um, Hometowns, uh, you know, Bunko, Friends, Girls Night. We have noticed a great outpour of support through those communities. So it really has been uh, such a good year for the foundation and with our new, you know, big baby shower coming up, we're just very excited about what we can offer new moms. So I'm, I'm very, very, very excited about that. And um, so Mm -hmm. I will be doing some more operation resiliencies coming up and, you know, just focusing on um, the foundation here in Charlotte. And I have daughters. I have not gotten into that yet, but I have two, (laughs) two girls that I'm raising. Um, and so, you know, they always keep me so busy. Yes. As you said, they were up at 5 a.m. this morning. <laughs> they were, they were. Um, yeah. A mother's, so. a mother's work is never, <sighs> never ends, right? We're always on. <laughs> I'm like, happy Monday. I'm on my third cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and then I share with her, I'm like, yeah, I, that's every day for me. <laughs> I'm like, to, I, I used to, you know, I've always been a, a big coffee drinker, but these days, I don't know, I'm, I'm a little bit older than you. <laughs> and um, uh, now in my mid forties, I'm like, I desperately need coffee. <laughs> yes, I feel you. I am, you know, I'm like trying to pace myself with, with my coffee this morning, but I'm like, Oh, I just need it. So yeah, yeah, I have a nine and a six year old, two girls. Um, 
they are active and they are um, so sweet, well-mannered, a little sassy, you know, they're coming into their skin. So that's, that's Sass isn't a bad thing. <laughs> it's not. Well, you know, it's not bad. Um, however, <laughs> it's those moments where you are like, oh, this is what my mom told me about. You know, one day she hopes that I have a child just like me. And here we go. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Buckle <definitely>, up. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's definitely payback. For sure. Yeah. Oh, 100%. So that's been um, very exciting. Definitely a roller coaster. Um, We just moved to Charlotte last June. So we're really kind of getting in the swing of things here. Um, The community has been very welcoming to us. We have military friends here um, that are family. And so it's been, um, it's been really, really uh, seamless. The transition has been pretty cool. So yeah, Very let's talk about, about that. that a little bit. You know okay. that friends, when you are in the military or military associated, the importance of friendship is is. I mean, friends really do become your family, and you rely on on your friends and um and you know, bonding with others and opening, allowing yourself to open up and, and let people in and finding those people that, that are there for you. Is that something, you know, that through your journey, um, that you are there, you know, those friendships are, are they? Absolutely. It was, it was something that I never knew that I needed, if that makes sense. I have, I have friends, um, that I went to, um, elementary, middle, and high school with. Um, we're a pretty close group of friends. Um, I have a friend from preschool, love her dearly, and we have been through so much together. Um, but you form different bonds with your military friends because they have gone through similar experiences as you have. And I have noticed um, when I distanced myself from my military friends following my husband's death, I felt very alone. And Mm -hmm. it was kind of like, no matter where I turned, I felt like I was the only person that could ever feel the way that I felt. And, um, you know, I, I have had friends through the military who let me be distant. And then when I was ready to come back, they welcomed me with open arms. And um, one of my very best friends here in Charlotte, Sarah Verardo, she is the CEO of the Independence Fund. Um, You know, we have always been really good friends, but she said to me um, probably like two years ago, she's like, why don't you move to Charlotte? Why don't you just come down here and, you know, we'll figure, you know, everything out. And, um, so I, I took the leap last year and it has been like, so eye opening. I feel like the days that I struggle, um, I have somebody that I can turn to and say, you know, what happened? Why did this happen? Why did we, why did this happen to us, our spouses? Um, her husband is very severely wounded um, from the same war that my husband was, um, I'm sorry, the same deployment that my husband was um, wounded on. And um, my husband was at Walter Reed when Mike's medevac came in and uh, against doctor's orders, my husband struggled down the hall to meet his medevac and had four chest tubes in, but, you know, he really wanted to be there and have eyes on, on his guys. And, and so you know, that's a bond that could never be broken. Though her husband is alive, he he struggles every day with his health care. And, you know, my husband's not alive. And so, you know, though we, we do have different outcomes, we f- fall short to the same struggles. Um, and it's days, you know, when you are struggling that you can call that friend and say, you know, 
what do we do? Or come over and cry or um, you can work through that together. You can because that person survived the same deployment. That person survived the same pain. That person survived the same staring, you know, at your rock in a hospital bed and not knowing what your next, you know, step was. Um, so that no, and I, yeah, I can understand that. And, and I'm there with you that, you know, just through watching my own husband and his journey, um, you know, through combat and, um, you know, the, the effects of that on him, um, and on our, our family, on our relationship at times, and also the loss of friends. Um, and he had a very dear friend, uh, commit suicide, uh, two summers ago, just prior, he was getting ready to board a plane (laughs) to deploy and found out that day. And it was, he's still working through that. He lost a childhood friend who was part of the, um, Navy SEALs, um, part of the 31, the scene till six and Mm. who died tragically and just other, you know, events. So, um, just because some of us aren't as vocal or it's not as evident that mm-hmm. we're struggling we are yeah. every Absolutely. day and and are questioning you know what what is to come hopefully you know <laughs> we will Absolutely. be able to carry through and and find the the resources we need to and and have those friendships there to help guide us and pick us up you know, when we, right. when we yeah. need to, too. Right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I, I am guilty of, um, well, I shouldn't use that word on myself, but, um, I find myself kind of kicking myself because, um, you know, I feel like I could have been a little bit more vocal to his brothers, um, you know, with what, he was dealing with or struggling with um, after, you know, being injured and and coming home. And, um, you know, I, I wish that I would have had, you know, reached out, found resources and, and kind of navigated that differently. Um, You know, I, I'm a firm believer that things happen the way that they're intended to and that, you know, I leave that up to like a, a, you know, higher power, but at the end of the day, um, you know, you don't know what they're bringing home from war and you, you know, can't even really prepare yourself. Um, when, when I said goodbye to Alan, um, deploying for his third time to Afghanistan, I said, you know, dead or alive. I never expected him to come home injured. Um, yeah. And I guess I'll, I'll kind of go into like the background of, of him. Um, he was uh, in Afghanistan. Um, their deployment was very heavy hit. Uh, guys were bring, being brought into Walter Reed, you know, every Friday, every time that they brought a new um, bus in, there was a, a BCO guy on it. And um there were KIAs and, um, you know, IEDs were everywhere, mm-hmm. um, you know, and my husband was on patrol and a, a man walked out of the wood line and started to approach his squad and got down and he detonated and his um, S vest or suicide vest was packed f- full of quarter inch ball bearings and the ball bearing went completely through my husband's chest, taking out his entire respiratory system and leaving burns down his back. And um, he uh, immediately, you know, got knocked out and um, they put him on the bird and everybody was kind of told that he wasn't going to make it. And they called his mother and, you know, told her to prepare herself to go to Germany to say goodbye. And, 
by the grace of God, um, he was uh, stabilized and went um, through emergency surgery to repair his left lung. Um, and he had four chest tubes in for breathing and was brought home to Walter Reed. And um, I was pregnant with our first daughter at this time. And I, I quit my job and I just went to Walter Reed, no questions asked. And I did my very best to be um, his rock. And I wanted him to know that I was going to take the rock from there on out. And I was going to navigate life and I was going to help him get better. And I, you know, thought that he was going to get better. And um, six months later, he was released from, from uh, medical care at Walter Reed and brought back down to the WTB at Fort Bragg to then medically retire. Okay. And um, that transition was um, just a nightmare. It seemed impossible. And what I, so impossible? What was that? Um, no, just... What? medical care it was just hit or miss um that the doctors um everything seemed trial and error he was in a lot of pain um they couldn't really relieve it short of putting him on cocktail of medication and so it was definitely ups and downs and um when he was getting out, you know, switching from army care to VA, it was, um, not seamless at all. It was very having to like explain yourself again and, and tell them why you need what medication and the records didn't transfer over. And, you know, it was, it was just, it was a struggle. It definitely was a struggle. Yeah. Um, and then also the patient, is you know has suffered traumatic brain injury which i we had talked earlier that through my counseling field you know career i worked with a tbi and yeah. you know this is not something that heals <laughs> this no. is not something that goes away there is right. a, a constant conflict you know of trying to relearn your how to to think how to Absolutely. process information and your emotions and Absolutely. how you react to different things oh oh yeah um and he had actually um been knocked um in december of 2009 and then again march 2010 so um he actually underwent you know tbi care for that um and yeah you know and then and that might be surprising to some people that really don't know you know that right that someone could could have a brain injury yeah. oh yeah still being sent into combat right <laughs> there right. oh plenty mm-hmm. plenty mm-hmm. of people um are just sent right back and you know it's like everybody, you know, kind of chalks it up to a concussion or, mm-hmm. you know, oh, you'll be okay. But in, in reality, sometimes when your brain is rattled like that, you know, where, depending on where it hits, yeah, you know, yes, it, it messes, it could mess up everything. I am thankful that my husband was able to um, speak, mm-hmm. but we had to do a lot of, um, um, I wouldn't say like rewording sentences, but, um, he didn't have the filter. (laughs) He didn't have like, right. He didn't have like a filter on what he was saying or how he was saying it or the way that it was delivered. Um, we had to go over um, walking again. We had to go over writing, um, and coupled with, PTSD, the the combination of the two can cause very erratic 
a breakdown aggressive sounding behavior you you explained it perfectly in that there is no filter it's just whatever is going to whatever is running through the brain is going to come out and and then it's very difficult at times too for practitioners or or just the other people on the side you know the pharmacist or the farm tech or the whoever you're trying you know to to filter that out to understand because sure. I know I've been that yeah. person and would take offense and had to really work hard to understand that it was the, the disability, the, you right. know, the injury th- right. that and, was creating this. And there's no way to really explain it because, you know, um, my family, um, worked through a lot of this with, with us because, um, I'm very close to my mom and my sister and my brother-in-law and, um, we all lived in, in Fayetteville at the time and, you know, they saw him injured and they, and they know what happened. And my brother-in-law was also, um, an infantryman in the 82nd. And so, you know, he had some pretty hard deployments and so everybody kind of knew, but it was so difficult to explain that, his brain's just not working today. Right. I don't know, you know, and I, oh, I have like chills. I could cry, mm-hmm. but like, I don't know any other way to explain why he was asked repeatedly to un- unload the dishwasher, but still did not do it. Um, there's no way to explain that. Um, you know, I asked him to make the bed and in fact, he's laying in it by the time I get home. Other than the fact that his brain's just not working today and it just doesn't want to work and, and he is in pain and he would have migraines and, you know, he would try to explain that to a doctor and, and then it's like a whole vicious cycle, um, you know, just trying to make sure he was okay was, it seemed at the time so impossible. Right. Um, what advice do you have for a spouse right now who may suspect, you know, that, that, you know, some things are happening, um, where do they need to reach out? What do they need to do to encourage their soldier to, for maybe testing or, or to seek help or, well, first, I mean, first and foremost, if, um, if, you know that your soldier is struggling. Um, you go, I mean, I mean, so are you asking suicidal or? Well, just for any journey, you know, um, well, yes, we'll start there with, with. Okay. Well, yeah. um, I'm always going to suggest um, calling the veteran crisis line, which is um, 1-800-273-8255. Um, I'm always going to suggest calling that um, because if nothing else, they can reroute you to who you need to speak to, um, whether it be a spouse calling to ask um, for advice. um, I'm always going to suggest that. But of course, um, I urge that you make a PCM appointment for him or her um, and and try to go to it and write everything down and do your research and, you know, look at resources. Um, the science behind traumatic brain injuries, um, ha- it's come such like a, a far way and, and there's studies all the time. And, you know, I do believe that there is, um, a way to, lighten the load, um, with what you're struggling with inside your household. Um, of course, I wish I would have been more patient. I wish I would have thought of his traumatic brain injury more often than I did. Um, because sometimes I got, I got frustrated. I had a new baby. I had then gotten pregnant and had a second baby. And, and, you know, I have two babies, uh, uh, a man who, I looked up to as my rock. He was supposed to lead my family. He was supposed to, you know, be that like provider. Big, and be yeah. Oh yeah. 
He wasn't yeah. supposed to not be there. <laughs> right. And the roles reversed. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The roles reversed. And I was, you know, looking at him like, oh God, now I have to leave the family, you know? Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of things that I wish I would have done, um, you know, advocated better, um, gone to every appointment, written things down, done my research, um, pushed harder, you know, make a fuss about it. If you, if you truly like feel like something is going on and nobody's listening to you, push harder, Mm. um, push harder because we need to keep these soldiers safe and, and people love them Mm -hmm. and push harder because they deserve it. Yeah. Push harder because they ultimately deserve better and they and they they deserve the help you and know when it's affecting the daily quality of life at home <laughs> and the spouse is holding everything up you know mm-hmm. and I can only imagine because I get aggravated myself <laughs> from time Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. like and and it's hard you you take it personally you get jaded you get angry you get frustrated and in your situation I can only imagine um and then coupled with guilt I'm sure Mm -hmm. you felt you know when you would get upset yeah um it it it, it's an a nightmare of a situation Um, it really is it really is and it's like oh go ahead no no that's okay but the the point being is that yes you wished that you could have known these resources and these things and and what to do to prevent the traumatic events that led up to his his death you know from from escalating and Mm -hmm. that at that time the VA you know, was not functioning at its, at the best capacity either. Right. Right. It right. Sounds I like. mean, every, every day I feel like, um, the VA is guiding a step in the right direction. Um, but the year that my husband passed, um, truly we were, um, not helped. And, um, this is a man who, had a 90% rating, um, 70 of it was his head, uh, whether it be TBI, PTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we weren't getting regular medical care where we were living at the time. So um, we decided to move back to Fayetteville and um, thinking that the, the VA in Fayetteville would be better because, well, Fayetteville has tons of veterans. And so, um, when we were transitioning, he was put on a, uh, waiting list. And now my husband needed regular medical care. Um, he had meds that he needed to refill. He had, um, you know, his, his counseling with PTSD. Um, he was then released from TBI therapy. However, um, still regularly needed to be checked up on, um, not to mention his respiratory um, issues, breathing problems. Um, He had a bad back from jumping. I mean, you name it, he needed his care and he was put on a waiting list. And by the time the VA had called me um, for his PCM appointment, we had long buried him. And, um, you know, I, yes, yes. Mm. And, ugh. And I had actually taken him to mental health at the VA um, and um, I had to drop him off because they wouldn't allow me to come in with, with our baby. Um, and he was released with a cocktail of medication. And um, days later, he um, ultimately, after a, a very horrific series of events, he um, ended up uh, taking his life. And, um, you know, he, he left behind, um, a family that was incredibly supportive and loving. And he, he left behind two little girls and myself and, um, you know, with, with everything that had happened, um, surrounding his death, 
there is so much that have could have that that could have been prevented had they kept him had they um kept him at the hospital but you know there were no beds available and and they released him and ultimately there are there's several you know tragedies that happened because of that and it's not okay but Right. There, it's you just, know. I mean, because of, because of the lack of care that he could receive, you know, it, it, there was a domino effect that affected yes. an entire community of people. Yes. Yes. And, um, and if, if that bed had been available for him at that time, perhaps we would have had a very different outcome. But Absolutely. we can't go back and erase time and what happened and that's what I think is so amazing about you is that you have picked up the pieces and carried on and are continuing to fight for families because you could have easily just walked away from all of this but instead you have you know you found some healing and have have made it your life mission to to support our military community and to continue to, you know, share awareness, share, share, uh, some knowledge of your story. And, and that goes a long way. And I just know from me, you know, that it, it is, it's helpful to hear this because for one, it, it, it wakes people up and it makes them more aware and that, if they have a concern, they need to reach out for, for help. And, um, and so uh, that's wonderful. Can you give the suicide prevention, the veterans crisis line again? Absolutely. I will. It is 1-800-273-8255. And then you press one um, or you can text 838-255. and, and yes, I think it's uh, very important that we keep spreading the knowledge and the resources on how to best navigate the war that's brought home. And, you know, sometimes it can often be a nightmare within our four walls and you really feel like you don't know where to turn or what to do to make things better. And you kind of hope that one day everything will, you, you can like snap and everything will be okay again. And and at the end of the day, there are things that can be done to help the situation. And my hope for everybody that, that's struggling with that within their household or their marriage, relationships, um, families, is that, that you can find a way to um, be okay again. Right you know, but, but it is okay to not be okay. To not be okay. And we were talking about that at the, at the beginning, you, you know, you're working hard, you're, you're still a mom, you still are are learning daily how to Mm -hmm. connect and care for your daughters and, and help them grow and to understand, um, you know, what happened with their dad. And, um, you know, this is an ongoing process. And I would assume for you, part of this too, is part of your, your healing journey also by helping to, to help other families. And I think that is such a beautiful thing that we can either not do anything. We can either just sit and, you know, not grow. We can be victims we can feel, you know, victimized by our situation, or we can choose to be active and, and be activists. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and, and instead of being a reactive community, be a proactive community and, and help to put these absolutely. fires out before they even start. Absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, it is okay to, I wouldn't say like, be the victim but it, it it is okay to kind of fall into your tragedy oh yeah like <laughs> yeah. you everybody needs that like everybody needs that moment to break right. um 
Yes. No, you know, it, but it, it take it, away from that, certainly. Absolutely. But it, it it's all about the way you pick up the pieces and you move forward. And I, I'm very careful when I say that. I I never want to say move on because the the raw and real of it is we will never move on from losing our loved ones, whether it be um a KIA or um someone that comes home and takes their life life we will never ever move on from that but we can move forward and we can move forward like in a positive direction and we can find ways to fill our um cups with good energy and and when you start to put out positive energy and positive um guidance you will start to notice that you feel really good about yourself and it has been my my biggest healing was you know I did take I took several years and I stepped back away from the military community because I felt like I can really just suppress this and never really think about it and Alan's dead but um you know I'll talk about him I'll talk about his um career and I'll talk about his life And I'll talk about who he was as a person to our children, but I don't have to be involved every single day. And then I started to realize that wasn't working for me. And it wasn't working because I wasn't actually coming head to head with the root of the issue. And at the end of the day, my husband was a highly decorated, um, you know, army sergeant, and he wanted to be in the army forever and he forever. (laughs) for a career right (laughs) um and he want and he loved nothing more than his brothers and the fight and his country and you know that is somebody to be incredibly proud of um you know at the end of the day the series of events regarding his death don't define who he was in his core and um I'm very proud of him and I'm very proud of the way that I have been able to carry his legacy with my children and our military community and our friends. And um, I want to use him as a way to save lives. And I'm going to do that. And I, I will succeed doing that because I believe that I owe it to every veteran struggling, every soldier struggling. Um, you know, they deserve the world. And if I can help in any way, I will. I have goosebumps right now. That, oh. that was so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Thank you. It Thank is. you. But I, I, I really, uh, my whole heart is behind it and my, I have so much passion behind it. And, and I want to teach my daughters that tragedy can strike your household. It can rock you. And, you know, you'll take that home with you forever you know but um you can find it within yourself to to care put that out right yes to to carry and and put it out in to help other people and I bring them along you know they've they've gone and stuffed bundles at the YMCA at Fort Bragg and they go do um you know independence fund events and Travis Mannion foundation events I just did a a operation legacy here in Charlotte to honor my husband and um, I bring them along for everything and and my six-year-old just continues to say to people thank you for honoring my daddy and even though she was six months old when he died you know I want them to be proud of him as well and one day I'm gonna have to have a raw and real conversation with them about um, what happened and it scares the absolute, you know what, out of me. Um, I, I, I don't know how I'm going to tell them that they're um, hero, their knight in shining armor. Um, you know, did what he did, but um, it's my job to lighten that and and help them uh, put that sad, bad grief energy into something that that can change lives so I think you're doing an awesome job oh thank you so much thank you that means the world to me I think when the time comes you of of any person will find those 
words and will have a community of people behind you to mm-hmm. to help them understand and process all of this Absolutely. also. So I think you, you know, pride yourself. You're you're setting a wonderful example for them. I'm trying. Yeah. I'm trying to pave a, a nice <laughs> path. Um, but I do have to say one of my one of my biggest struggles with his death was um, having to tell my well, she was almost three, so two year old, that he wasn't coming home. Um, right. That was like an absolute. That I was so scared. I mean, I have no other way to describe it. I was, um, I, I, I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, I really didn't. So it, it does make me a little bit nervous and, and afraid to, you know, have a conversation with them in the future about suicide and, and, you know, the effects of a brain injury. And my hope is that one day they can kind of do their own research about, you know, TBIs and, and PTS and, you know, yes, then we can have like a, a good solid convo about it, you know, so definitely, definitely. Well, Danica, thank you for everything that you're doing, um, for your message, for your volunteerism again with Independence Fund and Travis Mann uh, Foundation. And for everything going on at the Susan Tillis Foundation Um, and people can follow, I'll make sure on the blog post that accompanies our podcast that I have links to each of those uh, foundations um, so that if people are interested in uh, volunteering or uh, providing some type of monetary or uh, whatever type of donation, um, it's there. And, um, and again, I thank you for sharing your story and I'm so glad and happy that our paths have crossed and, um, hope that we can continue to grow our friendship and relationship over the years. Yes. I look forward to them. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I really, really appreciate the opportunity to jump on here and get to talk to you. And of course, thank you tremendously for your um, book donation to the Susan Tillis Foundation. It is an absolute honor to be able to serve those who serve us in the biggest way um, at Fort Bragg and my entire board and Susan Tillis. Of course, we all just truly put all of our hearts into this mission and are very grateful that we get to do this. So thank you so much again. Awesome. Well, thank you, Danica, for being a part of HodgePodge. And thank you all out there listening today. I hope that you've learned something. um, And that is my main mission here on HodgePodge to be able to inspire um, and encourage and um, provide our listeners uh, meaningful Uh, information um, to continue your path and growth in life. So again, thank you, Danica. And um, we'll talk to you next time. Of course. Thank you.